Welcome to the High Action Podcast. I am John Story here in Los Angeles, joined by my buddies Perry Smith and Will Brom of the New West Guitar Group. And on today's episode, episode five, we are going to discuss transcribing, transcription, uh, what transcribing is, how do we do it, some effective strategies for learning how to transcribe. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a gold standard for becoming a jazz musician is learning this technique. And it can be one of the most frustrating things to, to dive into, especially as a young musician, developing your ear, developing your technique on the instrument, translating that from a recording. So uh, it's, it's definitely a fun topic. I can't wait to dive in. But before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to let everybody know that today's podcast is made possible by Radial Engineering. Uh, creator, creator of audio solutions for recording studios and live stages from direct boxes to unique switchers and reamp devices. So for more information, visit radialeng.com. And we'd also like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers, just like you guys. And we have a new follower this week, Greg, who is joining us. So thanks, Greg, for signing up. And um, we're stoked to have everybody over at Patreon for all of the supplemental stuff that we are putting up there. So here we go, transcribing. Uh, you know, it's 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 a uh, can be a love hate relationship. I mean, it's one of those things that when you start transcribing, it's so much fun. You kind of feel like you're digging for gold, and then f when you finally get that transcription, it's like you're holding all all that gold that you've been pining for, you know, all day long. And um, just kind of curious to to start talking to you guys today about this today. I'm you know, Perry, what was one of your first memories of transcribing something when you were learning jazz as a young as a young musician do you remember the specific solo you were working on and about when that was for you yes it was definitely in middle school and you know working on like Django Reinhardt's I Got Rhythm kind of mm -hmm. a stuff you know really kind of the 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 traditional kinds of things uh trying to figure that stuff out, figuring out like Les Paul and like Chet Atkins stuff, trying to transcribe those very guitaristic types of things. Mm -hmm. And then as I got exposed more to jazz, I remember hearing, you know, George Benson and Herb Ellis and trying to transcribe those things and then hearing uh, Coltrane. And that's a whole other element of transcribing when you get off of your instrument. So I agree, John, I think it is like little nuggets of gold when you can find a part of the language that you can adapt onto the guitar, whether it's from a guitar player or from a horn player. But there's really no substitute, I think, in my mind, to being a, a jazz musician that has some sort of connection to the language that's come before mm -hmm. you. There's no other uh, way to do it than transcribing the music. And I would yeah, say it doesn't necessarily mean you have to write it down. Just like learning it, learning to play it on your instrument, I think is enough. Well, and the actual definition of the word means it's a practice of notating a piece uh, which was previously unnotated or unwritten. But I agree, it's it's not actually the thing that we do. The knowledge base is that we're learning vocabulary, right? right. And we're learning how to play. And, and I certainly remember getting really hung up on that early on, feeling like I had to write things out very particularly. You know, mm. um, Will, I remember when we were on the road and you were practicing a lot of Bach etudes and we were talking about how, um, you know, basically 
Bach back then was writing things down because there wasn't recording technology, obviously. Music notation throughout history evolved because there wasn't a way to record it. And we often wonder, had there been recording all that time, how much of Bach's music would have been written down and how much stuff wouldn't um, or has not been released that would have been released had it been recorded. And, you know, I find, do you find, Will, when you're practicing other things other than jazz that, um, you know, there's a lot of value in reading notation or trying, I mean, even trying to attempt transcribing something like that or little parts of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I find it hard to imagine being fluent in a language without being able to read and write it, you know, sim- simple as that. Um, yeah. And like Perry was saying, some of his early memories of, of transcribing, a lot of my earlier memories of transcribing, I was doing more like melodies and heads or forms, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chromosome by Mike Stern. I was like, man, this head is weird. Let me get inside this. Um, you know, you scribble it down, and then, and then, like you said, John, there's like a nice feeling of when you get it all plugged in to finale, and it's all orderly and beamed mm-hmm. properly. Yep. You know. Yeah, I mean, especially for people who like us who are Type A a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's kind of a there's sort of a sport in getting it just right, you know. I used to nerd out about the mechanical pencil lead that I would choose to transcribe so that I would have a lot of room to write in little grace notes or to write in some of the notation and and uh, for that matter, putting it actually in a spiral bound you know, manuscript paper book to me. And I still have all of those, the ones that I did in high school. The first one I did, which I've got for today for everybody is airmail special, Charlie Christian. And that first lick, I mean, that's about as universal an electric guitar riff as it gets. I mean, you think about guys like Chuck Berry would have probably learned that. George Benson definitely learned that. Wes definitely learned that. And, um, you know, transcribing, you know, really came out of the advent in a way of having all of these LPs and these recordings, you know, I mean, Perry, what's, what, what's one of the earlier transcriptions like that, that you have, have done from that era? Have you dived into, uh, Charlie Christian much with, with transcribing? I've, I've dived into Charlie Christian a little, not necessarily transcribing it, but, um, playing along with it, listening to it, trying to capture the vibe. Uh, but I think from the earliest transcriptions from that era would be like a Louis Armstrong transcription, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, t- can you play a little bit more of that Airmare Air special for us? I'd love yeah. to hear that uh, that one a little bit further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start off, I'll go a little slow. And the f- and um, we'll, we'll explain in a second some more processes to how, I, how we got here, yeah. right? So start off at the top. One, two... Two. One, two. And then down here. So that's the first half of that solo. And you can hear on the recording where Charlie Christian is up here playing around the eighth fret. And he, then he goes down to, 
he actually moves position, you know? Yeah. So guitar players, we get some of these clues sometimes as to how to transcribe about like where on the neck the guitar player was playing, which is, which is kind of fun. I mean, I would, I would feel like some of the first things students should go transcribe and naturally they're going to want to transcribe are people playing their instrument, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, for guitar, there's so many great jazz guitarists and great jazz recordings to pull from. Um, Will, was one of your first transcriptions a guitar player or did you, did you transcribe a, a horn player first? I remember early on trying a West Montgomery on Days of Wine and Roses. That's like oh, a very yeah, that's classic, yeah. classic solo. I definitely don't have that under my fingers right now. Um, <clears throat> And then just trying to trying to transcribe some stuff off like Ari Honig recordings, like right. like Tigran solo on Monin, which I don't I don't know how well that went over. You know, <laughs> I, I always like to try it by ear first and then and then like fill in fill in the gaps when I have right. my axe. And um really don't know how close I got on that one. But um all, like I said, also a lot of songs are just just finding tunes or weird angular melodies and trying to write those out since those are such like solid musical statements, you know, especially mm -hmm. in the early years when you need to be starting with simpler songs. Right. And, you know, this was a question I really wanted to ask you guys today, too. Like, in terms of the, you, you kind of brought it up there, Will, a little bit, the process of just beginning to transcribe. I mean, there's a lot of ways to kind of break you know, break in first when we're looking at a tune. I mean, we can go find a lead sheet for the tune and that's gonna give us the key, potentially the same key that's on the recording. Um, but I'm just curious, is there, do you guys generally find that there's one thing you first wanna be aware of before you start transcribing something like the the key, the form? Um, just curious. All of that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Is the, that what you think? The song, I mean, the melody, the changes, like what you're playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have that context. Uh, but then I, I think that the, you know, taking it a step further, the feel is really what's important to get into the feel and the sound of the notes, because if you're just playing the notes kind of in a different rhythm or a different type of sound, then you're not really encapsulating the full transcription, you know? So mm -hmm. I think one guy we got to talk about, John, that I think you have some stuff on him is Grant Green. We got to talk mm -hmm. about Grant. We got to talk about the power of transcribing Grant Green, especially for guitar players trying to get into jazz. I mean, I just mm -hmm. think that's a that's a pool of uh, language on the guitar that we can access somewhat easily, somewhat easier than like a Wes or like a solo Joe Pass thing, you know. So tell us a little bit about Grant. <laughs> I know you're. A big yeah, Grant well, guy. and just to just to also add to that. Talking about things like feel and vibe and yeah. tone and yeah. touch and sound, you know, these are really difficult concepts for young students to figure out who have are just breaking into it. But then there's a lot of it that's just about you've got to listen a lot to the music and a mm -hmm. lot of that will come to you too. And mm -hmm. a guy like Grant, it it's I agree, I feel like he is one of the most powerful guitar players to listen to first because his jazz phrasing is so excellent, but he also combines a lot of elements of the blues. Yep. And his attack on the guitar is so clear. Um, it's it's very clear to hear how, how in the left hand he's doing hammer-off, pull-off, hammer-on, pull-off type of lines. Um, and, you know, those minor pentatonic blues-based ideas, which many young guitarists first learn, 
you know, there's some of that vocab in yeah. his solos. Yeah. So it's interesting because I, I feel like Grant, you know, is about 15 years into the future from where Charlie Christian was. Sure. And Charlie Christian, in many ways, was more advanced than Grant because he learned a lot of the swing era vocab and was playing a lot of that. And he was really the first kind of next to George Barnes, electric guitarist. But but what Grant did was made it so that the lines were really coming right out of like blues and bebop all at this really kind of palatable intersection. So mm -hmm. I agree. I think Grant is a great place to start. And, and I have a solo today to share a little bit, but I know you do too, Perry. Yeah, share yours first. And then I want to I wanna share mine because I got a recording of it too. Yeah. So one of my favorite solos ever of Grant is off of uh, the album Solid, yeah. and the the title track on that record, which is a, a great Sonny Rollins head, by the way. Uh, man, Sonny Rollins wrote the greatest blues heads. Um, but the solo that he plays are just, it, it's... It, it then all these triplets. So th that's Man. that's I think the first couple choruses of the of the solo, yeah. You know, the blues is a great place to start when transcribing, and and like we're talking about here, Grant Green is sort of, you know, if you're looking for a place to start, I definitely recommend Grant. Um, can I jump in and play a tune of his that I wanted to share a transcription of, or at least a, a solo that I learned some of? Uh, yeah, let's hear it. Let's check this out, and we'll talk about it on the other side. You guys have all heard this, so let's let's dig into this. This is from Grant Green. P90s on that guitar. Yeah, and that's, that's three years after that solo that I just played. And you can hear how Grant evolved a lot yeah. from 1962 to 1966 and 67. It's pretty interesting. It's a B-flat blues, cool blues. And then he starts out... Thank you. 
and something like I think that's the next lick. But mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. all these things are just so clear. The eighth note is so clear. You know, the time is so clear. He's laid back right in it, and you can analyze how he's shifting through the harmony, what positions he's playing, some of these riffs on the guitar, and it just really informs the language that you have. Um, I have another one that I want to play for another guitar player. I think we all know who this is, but I'm going to play it, and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. Another great song to transcribe. The only, the goat, Wes Montgomery. So this is another uh, artist to transcribe a ton of as a guitar player if you haven't got into it. And, you know, you get a lot of different ideas than you might get with someone like Grant or Charlie Christian, like the way he interacts with the band, you know, and he's playing these, these riffs that just repeat over and over again. So that's a lesson that I feel like Wes has taught me uh, among so many other lessons. But you learn this from the transcribing. It's like, oh, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to just take a... Uh, a riff and just kind of go with it. You know, and then he moves it up a half step, right? And then he gets that second part of it. It's just so much fun to try to play that way. I mean, like, imagine kind of doing that with a band nowadays. It seems crazy, you know, that you could play like that. But he was doing that all with his thumb. So, mm -hmm. yeah, like we talked about at the beginning of this um, episode, like, these are like gold nuggets when you learn to play something like this on your instrument. You learn how to associate it. Uh, so, you know, we can't stress it enough. And I have one more thing that I wanted to share to tie this into, um, tie this into the group. John, you remember the 26-2 arrangement? How, how could I forget? <laughs> so this ties in nicely because Will did a burning solo guitar version of 26-2 from the last episode. But transcribing Subjective. is a big part of New West, the New West Guitar Group, a big part of our history. A lot of our early arrangements were about taking like a transcription of a Miles or a Coltrane or a Mingus thing and trying to arrange that for the ensemble and play that. So this is a little bit of Coltrane's 26-2, and then you'll hear the version of New West playing it. Let's dig this for a minute.
Okay, and then now dig the New West Guitar Group version from our very first album. John, is this recorded 2004? This was right around this time, man. This was right before Thanksgiving of, of 04. Released in 05. Yeah. Wow, a relic, a yeah. vintage. When, Here we go. This is our <laughs> take on that same soli, or solo that we made into a soli. Here it is. keep listening to that i'm gonna put it right there go check that out on uh god probably amazon apple music somewhere that record exists if you can't find it it might be on our website actually i'll make sure i put it up on newwestguitar.com it's probably still for sale at the usc bookstore (laughs) (laughs) it was for a long time the cds were were actually in the bookstore you know so this is all to say that transcribing is a big part of our group it's a big part of the way we all play individually and it's just enjoyable to feel like you're connecting to the language in such a mm-hmm. direct way. So, I have a question yeah. mm-hmm. for you guys. Do you think that honing in on a certain artist or a certain album and just like wearing it out is kind of an unsubstitute, unsubstitutable way of like gaining insight on phrasing or, or how, to, how to deal with your your time and your presence in a mix like like you said i mean the listening factor if you listen to an album a bunch you just gain that that insight of like how did they actually like gel in this rhythm section and f- whether it's the way they change the way they phrase things like whether you write it down or whether you memorize it there's really no other way to substitute just learning an album like being able to sing the whole album Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's one of the paths. I mean, there's so many paths to learning jazz. One of them is like going really far with one record. I mean, I know we all probably do. Mm. For me, there, like, there's a couple George Benson records, like Cookbook. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I've probably listened to that record maybe mm-hmm. two thousand times now. I mean. If you factor yeah. it, I mean, I've listened. I listen to Benson almost every day. I listen to Wes almost every single day in the car. I'm in the car a lot, and I listen to those guys a lot still. Um, so going deep with one artist or one record is part of it. Um, I think it can be a little daunting when we tell students that that's one of the paths in the beginning because they're today we're you know we have so much accessibility to so much music instantly, and so uh, yeah, I feel like it helps for students to hone in specifically on an artist and a, and a recording that would be a great like level for them that's just ahead of where they might be at right now. And like today, talking about Grant and Charlie Christian especially, in fact, those are really great entry artists yeah. for people who've never transcribed before yeah. to listen to. But you know, Will, your question also reminded me of a, a sort of a practice routine that I've had for a lot of years, which is like I would make a playlist of like 10 songs, kind of like mm-hmm. an album. 
and they might be different artists that kind of I'm trying to emulate in different ways, you know? And yeah. I would just wear the shit out of that, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to necessarily a full album. Like I've done that with certain albums, but I find it more helpful to be like, oh man, this this Charlie Parker solo I want to get into, or this Dexter solo, or this Coltrane solo, or this Bill Evans thing, or something more modern like a Chris Potter solo, or um, you know, that's that's something that's helped me when it comes to just wearing out a. Uh, a playlist, let's say, as opposed mm-hmm. to an album, and you just yeah. listen to it every day and just get get it to where you can sing everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, um, it's hey, part of being a musician and being a music student is just like really getting into something and like loving. Like for me, like you, I mean, like I've talked about those artists: Wes Grant, Kenny, Joe, Tal, all of them. I mean, I just love listening to that music and we we can listen to it so much and then we trans we can transcribe it it gets easier to transcribe something the more you know the solo i think will you said something really key like being able to sing Mm -hmm. stuff that we're playing even if it's not quite at pitch actual singing Mm -hmm. but if we could kind of imitate mimic and sing lines that's a great sign that you should transcribe the solo and you know as we wind down the episode today you know, this this brings up a couple kind of debates about some transcription, and I want to see what Uh-oh. Will and Perry say about Uh-oh. this. The great the great high action debates, or maybe they won't be debates. Maybe we'll all agree on all this stuff. But okay, here's the first one that we face, and it started with our generation of jazz musician. Do we slow down solos with a slow downer, like the old amazing slow downer or garage band or whatever, or do we learn them at tempo? Harry, what do you think? I, I think that you can do either way. I don't, okay. I don't really think that... To me, I know that is a bit of a debate, uh, but I don't... Yeah, I, mean, I think it's all good under the sun, mm. you know? Okay, Will, what do you think? I don't... I'm not morally opposed to slowing it down. Um, I haven't used the amazing slowdowner, actually, but that's not really saying much. I'm, I think it's uh, fair. <laughs> I think it's a fair play. I, I think that there's value in a student surprising themselves that they actually can learn stuff at tempo. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you slow things down, especially it's so easy to do that now, you're just putting your hand in the cookie jar right away and you're getting it. And you, Perry, you talked about feel and style and attack. I think a lot of that is lost when we slow things down. Um, I mean, it's a really cool thing to be able to do it. And it's not like I think you're a bad student for doing it, but I think that students being surprised that they can learn stuff at tempo is really an awesome part of transcribing. Yeah. yeah. That's my, okay. Next one, um, <laughs> is transcribing, <laughs> I mean, we're doing a whole episode on it, yeah, but well. is it valuable at all? Or should jazz musicians just imitate everything around them and not learn other jazz musicians vocabulary and just learn things by the osmosis of listening to records? Will, what do you think? I think you got to learn the language and the context and the lineage. I mean, you you have to yep. you got to listen and imbibe and and whether it's writing down or learning inside and out, you got to learn the language to continue the lineage. Right, Perry. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've had this debate in some fashion or another um, for like probably twenty plus years. But I mean, I follow the philosophy of uh, imitate, assimilate, and innovate. So you know. It's 
it's like the same thing with the recording where you're slowing it down. It's like it doesn't stop once you've slowed it down. Maybe you've got a more precise version of the notes, but still learning that tempo. Like if you're going to transcribe and copy Dexter Gordon, don't just go out and play a Dexter Gordon solo at a, at a show. Like find your own approach. That's the innovate part. So, yeah, I think you, you have to transcribe. But I think the people that say that you shouldn't, they're doing that from a place where they're trying to motivate people to be original. They're trying to motivate Mm -hmm. people to have their own voice. Mm -hmm. And I don't think transcribing prevents you from doing that. So Mm -hmm. if you are going to transcribe, just remember that, that part of what you're honoring is that these guys were unique voices in their time. So try to continue that, you know, to to the extent that you can. Well, I feel like the value in transcribing is also for musicians who are evolving to understand what would their solos look like if they were written down. Yeah. And that can help students or advancing jazz musicians build better phrases, make it clearer. You know, us guitar players, we have a lot of techniques we can play on the guitar to imitate horn players and stuff. But if we write some of that down, it can sound a little unclear. Like, am I actually playing a triplet or am I playing more of a ghosted line? I think transcriptions can really help people understand more about what would be a concrete written down version of what they're playing. Um, So yeah, I I think we're all in agreement on a lot of this stuff. I guess there's not much of a debate. Well, one last one though. What do you guys think? Quality of a transcription, like doing one or two really good quality transcriptions or doing 20 transcriptions by ear where you're maybe shooting 75, 85% of what of what's going on and kind of filling in the gaps. Will, what do you think? Quality over quantity? I mean, I would say quality for the sake of just being, if you're, if you're going to start the path, finish it and be exact. Um, because that's, that's the golden nugget at the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. Perry, what do you think? I don't know. We might have some daylight on that one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, definitely it's commendable if somebody, you know, makes a perfect transcription of something, but I don't know. I mean, like if you are able to get the vibe of a lot of different kinds of things, um, that may be more beneficial to your plan. I I don't know if you have to necessarily choose though. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've listened to a lot of things and been like, Oh, let me just grab this, this one little lick that I'm hearing from this Jerry mm-hmm. Berganzi solo, or like, let me just dig into this Keith Jarrett thing that I want to mm-hmm. like figure out, or like, um, even just an approach, like the way Brad Meldow might approach doing something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily transcribe every note of it, but you can get the, the idea of it, the spirit, the essence of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, John, yeah. we used to know someone that would say that transcribing was overrated and that you could learn it all from osmosis. And I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, like, just being in the music a lot, not necessarily having to transcribe it 100% is really important. Well, and some solos you're going to start transcribing and not finish. Others you're going to really pay a lot of attention to. I mean, for me, I focused on Coltrane, Giant Steps, that first chorus, and I really focused only on that first Mm. chorus or... Um, you mentioned Wes Montgomery, Days of Wine and Roses, you know, I really focused on how he played the melody. And then when he went to the single lines, I didn't transcribe that specifically Mm -hmm. just because I was trying to transcribe chord melody. But I feel like, again, making a choice 
of quality over quantity might be more in the moment of like, gosh, you know, I just learned this Grant Green solo. Maybe I can learn another one and maybe I can learn another one. And you're going to find some artists are going to be easier to maybe get more solos down. As you pointed out, Will, it's like going deep with an artist or a record. There's a lot of value to that. So, you know, transcribing as a whole, it's something that as jazz musicians, we really want to be diving into. We want to work on. If anybody of our, who's listening has questions about this, a great place to connect with us is on our Patreon page, being that we're all educators too. Um, and I do recommend, like, if you're transcribing and you're frustrated, that's a great way to, uh, maybe a great point to get a mentor or teacher or somebody you can sit down with who can maybe help get the wheels spinning on a transcription um, and maybe help you decide what's a good transcription to, to aim for. Because sometimes you may feel like working on, you know, Coltrane Giant Steps is the, oh, I want to do that. But maybe you should transcribe Hank Mobley, Remember, on Soul Station first. Right. Right. Um, and a mentor or a teacher is going to guide you with that, too. And we're, we're here to help our listeners. If anybody has those questions, Patreon is a great place to connect. Um, I'm going to post a transcription exercise for everybody to do this week Ooh. on our Patreon page. And if you're successful in transcribing a solo this week, um, make a little clip of it and tag us on our uh, Insta page and we'll share it because we'd love to see what all of our listeners are doing with the transcription. So thank you guys so much for being here today. Yeah. I'm super excited. We've got this, this season is really starting off great. We've got a lot of new listeners. Will next week is going to talk about the electric guitar, uh, broad subject, but we're going to find a way to high actionize the electric guitar with our podcast. So I better start raising the action on my Gibson victory right now, man. <laughs> I, I better night. figure out which which side of the cable do you plug in. I still don't know yeah. which one is input and output. You know, start know. They look the lifting same. Some weights to pick up that Gibson Victory of yours, Perry. Hey, I played it last night. It's ready to go, man. Yeah, too I heavy. Was rocking out on that Victory. I have one word for you, Perry. What's Telecaster. That? Telecaster. No, I have no, one word no. for you, John. Stratocaster. Buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs>